Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. I'm not preaching from 2 Corinthians this morning simply because many people are not here or at Arcadia and really going to preach a passage that is close to my own heart, uh, something that I've learned over the years and uh, just a good reminder to all of us and I hope of great encouragement uh, to you this morning. So Luke Chapter 22, if you would turn there please uh, in your Bible and going to read uh, just the three verses from verse 31. So Jesus addressing one of the disciples, Peter, he says to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Just so far, Lord, we come again this morning just thanking you for the scripture. God breathed. Useful for many things, but praying this morning that it would be useful in encouragement to us as your people. Protect us, we pray, and lead us, Lord, each and every day, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we pray that your spirit would work through me as the one preaching for each of us, Lord, that we would be open to hearing and submitting, obeying your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I'm accurate in making a statement that there are times when your faith comes under attack. I've discovered that it's never consistently good. There are times when our faith falters. Times when we feel like we want to give up or throw in the towel. I know for myself, uh, I can start off, particularly after a Sunday, being together with the people of God in a time of worship, uh, subjected to the scriptures and the preaching of the word of God, and feeling like, well, I can face the world with all guns blazing. <laughs> and then Monday comes. Feeling discouraged feeling like wanting to give up and so easily falling or failing the standards and the glory of God. And so I do want to ask the question this morning, what is it that can get in the way, certainly one of the things that can get in the way that stops us from having an easy walk of faith? What is the obstacle? What makes us so vulnerable? Nothing many answers to that question, but I'm going to face uh, the issue this morning in the passage before us. Uh, what can be the cause of making the Christian life so hard? It is hard. It's not easy. And I'm going to turn this morning to the Apostle Peter, who is a good example, I think, of what I'm talking of. 
<laughs> Here was a man, a disciple. As a disciple of Jesus, he walked with Jesus, he was zealous, he was keen. We read in Luke 22 verse 33, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And that very same day, we see that he's so scared, he's so afraid that he denies the Lord, not once but three times. Verse 56, a servant girl came to him and said, this is after Jesus was arrested. This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else came and saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. But an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Such good intentions explicitly expressed, and I have no doubt that Peter was sincere, that he was genuine, and yet Peter fails, he falls, and he disowns the Lord, his Lord. And I think like us, we have good intentions. I, I think all of us as believers have good intentions. We want to do what is right. We want to please the Lord. We look forward, I think, at the end of our lives to those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so we regularly make resolutions, perhaps at the end of a quiet time, perhaps at the end of a Sunday service. We make resolutions to stand firm. This week it's going to be different. This week it's going to be better. We want to stand firm for the Lord Jesus, with the Lord Jesus, for his cause and his kingdom. And still sometimes we fail. We fall flat on our faces. We begin to wonder, how did this happen? Why did this happen? So a very simple outline this morning. My first point is simply this. There is someone out there who wants to destroy you. You have an enemy. And you need to know and never forget that you have an enemy. I feel that at times. I don't know whether you do. It, 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 it just seems like that. Just, just when things seem to be going smooth and things seem to be better, <laughs> a blow comes from nowhere. Feel like you've been smacked over the head, knocked you down again. And, and is that just circumstantial? Is that just bad luck? Is it about just being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is there something more? You know, I used to think, now, many of you are older believers here this morning. I used to think as a young believer that my pastor never had any challenges or troubles. He had all the answers and he was close to God. And, 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 and one day when I've walked with the Lord for many, and it's many years now, I think I've been a believer for more than 50 years. And you know what I discover? I still struggle. It's hard to be a believer. Jesus tells Peter, yeah, that there is more to things than meets the eye. And I think that we as Westerners, those who live in what we would describe as a materialistic environment and world, we don't believe that there is something we cannot see. And he says to him in verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. It's not the only place. Later on in Ephesians chapter 6, you will know the passage the Apostle Paul addresses the Ephesians about spiritual warfare to stand firm against the enemy. It's no accident that he refers to him 
by his old name, representing his old nature, the sinful nature that makes him vulnerable. If you look at the context of the passage, the immediate uh, context was something of an exposure of that uh, sinful nature, where we read in verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Jesus immediately responds and tells them, well, that's, that's Gentile thinking. That's sinful thinking. That's worldly thinking. In other words, Simon, Simon, you still struggle with your sinful nature. You'd better pay attention, Simon, Simon, because here is a warning. Satan has begged earnestly for you. It's not the only occasion we read of this. The oldest book in the Bible, Job. Chapter 1, verse 6, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him, blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And immediately Satan responds with an argument. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. Very well then. He has in your hands, very well then, everything he has in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Do, do, do you get the point here? Satan is questioning the genuineness of Job's faith. He wants to destroy Job's faith. He wants the opportunity uh, uh, to, to, to attack him, to, to, to get him to the place where he rejects God. Let me hurt him and let's see if he really trusts you, God. Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. The phrase that came into my mind, I've often had this phrase, feeling like I've been put through the mill. Do you feel that? Being ground, ground, just repeatedly ground, painfully being subjected to difficulty after difficulty regarding my faith. And I'm sure you feel the same. It's not just true for Peter and Job. I think that's the message I want to convey to you this morning. It's true for you. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. Every believer has an enemy. There is someone out there who would like to destroy you. The person of the devil is real. Don't believe the propaganda today in a secular world that says that this is simply myth. From a bygone era. We see that Jesus believed in the devil. In fact more than that. We see that Jesus himself encountered the devil. Not only does he warn Peter. But he himself earlier on. At the beginning of his public ministry. Remember after his baptism. During the time of fasting and praying in the desert. Luke chapter 4. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan. Was led by the Spirit in the desert. Where for 40 days he was. Tempted. By the devil. Who is the devil? Well, Satan is a fallen creature. He's not God's equal. I think you need to understand that. He also is a created being. 
I was just reading in my own quiet time in Luke chapter 10 this past week, verse 18, where Jesus comments, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's a rebel. Isaiah tells us in chapter 14, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, you see the problem here? I will ascend to heaven. A desire for greatness. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the secret mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Satan has an agenda. It's not aimlessly wandering around, as it were. He has an agenda. Satan is the one who brought sin into the world right at the beginning with the temptation to Eve and Adam. Satan is the one described in the book of Job as roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. And he's not alone. third of the legion of angels fallen with him, known to us as demons. He's the one Jesus calls the prince of this world, a murderer and a liar. It's the one Peter compares to a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The very sense of this message this morning. And he masquerades as an angel of light. John speaks of him as the accuser of the brothers. Satan is the one who's ever working in the churches of Christ. Don't think he leaves us alone. Don't believe it. He catches away the good seat Good seed from the hearts of the hearers. He sows weeds among the wheat. These are analogies, parables that Jesus gives. He stirs up persecution. He suggests false doctrines. He creates division. The devil is dangerous. He's invisible. And he is an experienced enemy. Don't take this enemy lightly. He is subtle. He can and he does even make an approach, as I've said, as an angel of light. If you profess to be a believer, if you have real faith, the word to you this morning is be on your guard against the devil's schemes, against his devices. He's an enemy. Using the vulnerability of the sinful nature, we see trapping David with Bathsheba. Tripping Peter up, falling into uh, denying the Lord Jesus, and even attacking the Lord Jesus to come before and trip him up in his own redemptive purposes. Application? You have an enemy. And he wants to destroy your faith. He wants you to doubt. He wants you to be a skeptic. He wants you to turn your back on him. There's someone out there who wants to get you and to destroy you and to destroy me as a believer. But secondly, here's the encouragement. Here's the encouragement. There's someone infinitely greater who helps you. With that simple terms, you have a mighty friend. We don't stand alone to fight this battle. It's a vicious battle with a malicious enemy. Again, some examples of believers. Job, who faced severe attack from the devil. Not once, twice. Extended periods of intense suffering. He went through wavering and wobbling. But his faith endured. God helped him. David, God didn't leave him in his sin. Remember what happened? Sending Nathan the prophet 
And eventually David comes to the place where he repents. Psalm 51, hide your face, uh, hide not your face from, uh, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. But, but Peter, he's the subject of this particular passage. What happens at the end after the resurrection of Jesus? Peter is restored. Reinstated by Jesus. The third time, John chapter 21, verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the same person that fell. But later we find preaching boldly to crowds of people on the day of Pentecost. And God uses him, adding 3,000 people to the church. How does that happen? How do we receive this help? How is it that this mighty friend is at work to make sure that you and I get to the end of the road? Well, have a look at verse 32. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And so, folk, I want to say to you this morning, in the midst of your struggles, your vulnerabilities, and there are many vulnerabilities, people face crises. People suffer for different reasons. People experience grief and illness and persecution and attack and just emotional distress. And in the midst of that, this attack can come. But I've prayed for you. Just a little bit of the grammar there. It's very interesting. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you is in the plural. Everybody, all believers. But when he gets to praying, he gets very specific and the you there is in the singular. That to me is a tremendous encouragement. When Jesus prays, he doesn't just pray for the, the, the members of the Central Baptist Church who gather at the Hill Campus. By name. The very specific and definite nature of the atoning work of Jesus. I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. This is the great secret. It's the great blessing for us as believers to give us hope, but enabling us to persevere. Peter did not fall away. He lapsed. Yes, he did not fall away into faithless darkness. But he persevered simply because Jesus prayed for him. Your continued work, walk as a believer, even being here today, is, is, is the uh, proof of the existence of grace. It's a miracle that you're kept, that I'm kept day by day, week by week, because our enemy is strong. And your strength and my strength is small. The world is full of traps and your heart is weak. But we are kept by the prayers of Jesus. The believer is a mighty friend. Let me just give you a couple of examples. And I could only give a few. There's so many. We're told that he is a faithful advocate representing those who belong to him. Representing your cause as a believer, pleading for you, seeing your daily necessities, obtaining your daily supplies of mercy and grace for your soul. Remember that scripture? 
We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way. Let us draw near where? To the throne of grace, where you may receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Do you have any times of need? I have plenty. Hebrews chapter 7. Therefore, this is Jesus. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because, here's the reason, he always lives to intercede for them. Romans 8 verse 34. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And so the work that Jesus does is not yet over. The atoning and redeeming work accomplished on the cross, yes, it is finished. But while he is, heaven, while he is in heaven, he is interceding as our high priest, appearing in the presence of the Father for the body, the bride, the family, praying for our souls as he did for Peter. And so the present life and ministry of Jesus is just as important as his death on the cross. Redemption, I say this often, redemption accomplished, redemption applied. In conversion, but also in sanctification through to the very end, the prayers of Jesus are effective. I've prayed for you, son, that your faith may not fail. Important. And when... Not if, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Will your life be rosy and smooth and easy as a believer? It's not. For me, these last three years have been extremely difficult for many reasons. Will our church always experience comforting, uplifting, and trouble-free experience. I think if we did, there would be a problem. Why would Satan not bother with the church? He bothers with those who are a threat to him and those who want to honor God. Just when you think you're over one obstacle, there will be another. Our enemy will not rest. He will do his best and his utmost to disrupt and destroy. But he will not succeed. Leave here today with this on your heart. He will not succeed. Be assured that the word of God that is true, that is reliable. Jesus is the one praying for you and his church. He will provide help that you need and you will persevere to the end. Not on your own, but with the help of God. I think it was a couple of weeks ago I said to you, I regularly use the phrase, and I want to close with that phrase this morning. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And Lord, as we come to your table now, real opportunity for us to actively and practically demonstrate our resistance to the evil one, and the drawing near to you, our loving, compassionate, and merciful God. 
And so minister to us, Lord. You, you know each one of us in our circumstances and the needs that we experience. And Lord, even as we partake of these elements, the bread and the cup, may it be a good reminder to us, pointing us to Jesus, pointing us, Lord, to the reality of all that you have promised and said and accomplished, all that you will do, all that you are doing. By your Spirit, won't you minister to us in these quiet moments, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.